Hi, welcome to the Barry Nation podcast, where we support the bariatric community with humor, humility, and honesty. I'm April. I'm Jason. I'm Natalie. And today we get to welcome one of our favorite humans on the planet, who also happens to be Jason's wife, Miss Sarah Smith. Hi, Sarah. Hello. So we're very excited to talk to you today because you are an expert in well, a lot of things, but you spend a majority of your time really understanding the power of peer support, right? Professionally, you are a licensed therapist. You're an expert in Barry Nation. You work for a nonprofit, but your, your mission and your passion as of late has really been focusing on peer support, what it is and the impact that it can make on our journeys. And I know that recently I was at retreat, but you said something and it stuck in the back of my brain and I didn't really understand it at first, but it's really like, we've been talking about a lot lately, right? The power of like, somebody's inspired by one person's story, mm-hmm. right? Usually. Yeah, usually I am. Um, so, I mean, I've, I've been working with and training peer specialists and advocating for peer support, um, for almost 20 years, it, you know, throughout my career. Um, And one of the things that I've noticed is it does not matter what the person is recovering from. So, I mean, it could be a a mental health challenge, a substance use challenge. Um, I know it carried over, um, you know, when I started my bariatric journey, I was hearing the same thing because when you ask people why they decided to have surgery, and even if they'd had a physician, you know, suggest it to them in the past, Usually what people tell you about that, that, that aha moment, like that moment was meeting someone personally that had had surgery that had changed their lives. Mm -hmm. And I think when each of you have told your stories, you all have that person, you know, as well Mm -hmm. that you may have heard about weight loss surgery before, but then you saw it working in somebody's life. And, and that was when it made a difference for you. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That, that was when uh, I made that decision. I reached out to a friend on Instagram. She was looking fly and I was like, girl, what are you doing? Cause I, what pill, <laughs> what program? Like I'm going to start this today. And that's when she's like, oh, I had bariatric surgery. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? No, no, no. That's for my 600 pound people. So mm-hmm. that was that one single sentence that changed the trajectory of my life. Was it the same for you, Nat? Um, well, my, my journey is a little bit different than a lot of people's, but I would say, um, yes. I mean, I think I found, um, people in my life, um, that had lost a lot of weight. They were not necessarily open about how they did it later came to find out it was bariatric surgery. Um, and then for me, it was really Instagram that sealed the deal that really made me want to do that. Um, And oddly enough, people like Maddie, Maddie5088 on Instagram, she was one of the first people I followed. Um, Des woke up like Des. Um, She was another person that I followed, Michaela, losing to blooming. Um, Those were all people that I saw who were successful at their weight loss and keeping it off, um, motivated even after three X years out at the time that I was researching, um, and happy and content with their life. And that's what I wanted. I could see that they were living their lives and that's what I wanted. 
Well, and really what you're describing are these singular stories that are just displayed publicly, right? But it is, but these were individual stories that they were choosing to share publicly that inspired you to move forward in your bariatric journey. Yeah. Jason, what about you? Yeah, mine was similar uh, in the way that, you know, I talk about this. It took me quite a while to find the person that I could see that actually that it worked for that, that represented myself. Um, you know, the, the ladies are, are plentiful in this, you know, in this community, which is amazing. I always cheer for all the ladies. You guys know that. However, it does not mean necessarily that what worked for April is going to work for me because we're just built a little different. So um, it, it took a while for me to find somebody. But when I did, uh, I found a gentleman by uh, his name is Andre. He goes by Sleeved Up Dre. And he's about an inch taller than I am. So he was about six, five. And he had a he, he actually weighed more than I did at my heaviest. And so when I got to see how not only he was before surgery, but how he was after surgery and the fact that he had lifted and built muscle back up to a certain, you know, weight that was kind of, I mean, his, his journey mirrored what I wanted for my journey the whole time. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, we've been talking about it all month, right? The power of our stories can really make an impact and and a difference on people. It can be scary when we share our stories publicly, right? But the flip side to that is that we can be inspiring somebody else to make the same decision that that we have as well. So, right, we've really been focusing this month on, okay, we have to get good with telling our stories to ourselves, right? We need that personal story for us. And then if we feel comfortable sharing it publicly, we can do so because really that opens you up to helping others. And then it really creates this peer support, which is really what what we want to talk about today. Mm -hmm. So if you guys are ready to dive in, I say, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Do it. Okay. So first thing that we need to know, as you guys know, we do this often in our podcast, what is peer support? What is the definition of peer support? Oh gosh. Well, there there's several, and it really depends on what type of peer support you're looking at. But a general definition is it's very simple. It's a person who has experienced a condition. So for our purposes, that condition is obesity and and bariatric surgery. Um, And then the, the only qualifier is that they've achieved some sense of recovery or success along their journey. Um, And then is their role in a peer support in the peer support role or as a peer supporter, you're just sharing your um, personal experience with that process. Um, You know, there, there is actually like training um, out there, supervision that you can seek um, things that help you facilitate like support groups and things like that. um, If you, you know, if you want to get that involved, but really it's just role modeling your recovery and supporting people in their efforts to reclaim like a meaningful and and the self-determined life in their community. So I think the other big key for peer support is really recognizing that everyone's journey is different. And so what we're, Jason's just said it, you know, a few minutes ago, what works for the ladies is not going to work for him um, necessarily. And that's really goes for any of us. Like what works for us individually um, is not going to work for the next person, but it's also, being there to support people along that journey. It kind of also sounds like it's fairly symbiotic, like by providing support, you're also kind of reaffirming your own 
Um, I don't know if that's like a study that you have found, Sarah, or any evidence to support that, but that kind of is what I'm hearing as well. Yeah. So there's actually, um, if you're familiar with like 12-step communities at all, like NAAACA, anyway, there's lots of the anonymouses. Um, there, there's actually, there's a lot of little slogans, um, affiliated with them that just help people kind of stay focused or remember things. But one of them is, um, you have to give it away to keep it. And so that, that slogan speaks to exactly what you're saying, Natalie, it basically in order to stay stable and sort of focused in your own recovery, you have to give away or give back. Um, part of what you've achieved or part of what you've received in your process. That makes sense. Well, I mean, I always tell people, and I I just know this at my core, the reason I've been so successful is because, right, we, we were East to West and now we're Berry Nation, right? We're constantly in this community of the three of us or the four of us, right? We're, we're, we're creating the support that we need, but as we're creating that support, we're getting that support. And by sharing our stories, we're getting all of this support back. It's the only reason that I, I truly believe I have not gone off the rails. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yes. that's, I mean, you know, I talk about that often, you know, when we're closing out the podcast, the same thing is like, you know, all the love and support that we've received helps just, you know, it just keeps us where we're supposed to be. It keeps our head in the game. It keeps us focused on the why, because, you know, where most people have one or two whys, like they may have family or like us as the, the grandkids and our kids, like that's cool. But, you know, actually we have 16,000 plus whys to keep going. Like our, you know, as we say, our whys shift, our whys started as what our whys are, but they have now shifted to a much larger why, which is the bariatric community as a whole that we're trying to reach out to. And that's just, you know, it helps keep us drilled down on what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Well, community is so important. Yeah. Um, uh, such an important piece of this journey. And I feel like, you know, that is that community, which, which, you know, we hear most people that have had bariatric surgery, they, they speak about it in terms of the bariatric community, but what they're talking about is though is peer is those their peers, like that peer support, um, you know, people living with chronic condition, which we all are, even though we, we are, you know, we have a tool that is really helping us treat it and live the best lives. You know, we, we're always going to have this chronic health condition. And professionals can tell us what to do and they can, you know, give us guidance and advice, but, you know, peer support, peer, people that have lived this, that have walked this walk, they have experience and knowledge that professionals do not. I was just going to say that, I mean, the, the most popular event, well, we have two extremely popular, equally popular events. Those support groups in Barry Nation that are led by therapists like yourself, Sarah, right? <laughs> Highly attended, uh, people absolutely love them. Then the other most attended events are like the lunch hours where it's peer to peer support. Mm-hmm. It's just knowing that I can go talk to somebody or I can interact with somebody who gets it on like that micro level, right? Mm-hmm. They understand what I'm going through because they've been through exactly that. And it's not necessarily that we're looking 
all the time for that expert advice. We need this safe place to just go and hang out with, with people who get it. And for so long, I feel like the bariatric community and just the greater medical community was so afraid of those types of connections because, oh, what, but what if they share information that's wrong? Or what if they do something horrible, right? Like, mm-hmm. but those things exist in the human experience, mm-hmm. not within this vacuum of these communities. And what we're really seeing just as patients ourselves is we've gotten the most benefit from those peer-to-peer connections. Those expert connections are needed and necessary, but it's that peer time that Mm. is changing the game. I mean, look at retreat, look at the, look at all the events that we've been to. People are there to meet other people. They're not necessarily there to, to, I mean, they are, but that's like almost secondary. Well, and that's what you see a lot of people when you hear people talking about what could have gone better or different about retreat. They all say less sessions, more hangout time, because that's how important that is. Like, yeah, Yeah. they kind of want to hear a lot of, you know, some of the stuff that's out there, but they want it to be less packed where they're sitting in seats listening to those and they want more time to hang out with their peers because it's a different feeling. It's just, you just can't, you can't describe that feeling you're talking about when you get, when somebody gets it on a micro level where you, and, and 300 plus people getting it on a micro level, being able to stand out there and do what we were doing for that amount of people is, it, it's just a match. Like that's why we tell people that these events are so important because those connections you're going to make, you're going to wind up with a group chat like we have with nine plus people in it that, you know, has a hundred plus messages a day because you guys can't wait to see each other again. It just, that's just the kind of things that happen from this retreat. We talk to you guys more than we talk to our, you know, some of our family members. Yeah. I mean, people that I've known for my entire life, I don't talk to them as much as I talk to my friends, my Barry friends. Yeah. That, that has been, that has been a big shift. Right. And the interesting thing about this peer to peer support, what I'm really starting to to understand and embrace, and and we've embraced this from the get go, you can access peer to peer support without necessarily outing yourself, thanks to technology. You know what I mean? Like, I can have an Instagram account that has nothing related to bariatric surgery whatsoever. And I can access this, like these individual stories or this kind of greater support and still benefit from it without me necessarily actively engaging in it. Mm -hmm. Now, I think we all understand you're going to get a little bit more out of it if you engage, but the fact that there's such a safe way to slow roll into being an active member of this peer system speaks volumes because we can do it at, at our own speed. I mean, it's why Barry Nation is private. It's so that people have this private, safe place that is not public. This is not Facebook. It's not Instagram, right? It's this dedicated space for you to practice or slow roll into that peer support in a way that's comfortable for you. So what are there like characteristics or traits or things or are there elements that make peer support peer support? Like, are, do things have to be present for it to be like labeled as such? I mean, really peer support, you just have to be one willing to share your own story and genuine and open. It's, it's not as hard <laughs> um, as other people make it, but I think you made a really good point, April, when you were saying like a lot of professionals in the medical community. And honestly, it's not just the medical community. It's been through the behavioral health community. It's been, you know, um, pretty, pretty much any area where peers have been um, utilized. There, There is a fear that, you know, because their peers are not um, professionally educated, 
um, or degreed that they're going to do this, this grave damage or harm. Um, and, uh, you know, if you look at the history of peer support, cause it's, it's not new, uh, you know, honestly, actually there's references to peer, uh, of peer support or peer, uh, peer to peer education, interaction, feedback, like all the way back to the, back to the 1700s. So like anybody that has a degree, um, when you do your research for school, you're required to use scholarly reviewed, peer reviewed articles. Think like we're hearing something there. Um, so, you know, like, yeah. And, and so that like peer reviewed, like peer reviewed um, research, what, what was created like back in the, the seven, late 1700s. So it, it's people have known on some level that we need other people to help hold us accountable in some area um, or in some way. Um, peer support expanded after like deinstitutionalization in the mental health area um, in the, the early 80s. Um, so if you're not familiar, um, asylums, like insane asylums, basically, you know, what they're called, but basically... Um, psychiatric hospitals, a lot of them were closed in, in the late 70s and early 80s. Um, the biggest problem was, is the funding that was paying for these individuals' care did not follow them into the community. Um, and so when asylums closed, patients were just back home or back in their communities with no support. And so organically, small groups started farming over time that were providing support and then continuing over time, like into the, the mid to late 80s, they began organizing, um, really focused on change of the continuum of care. Like they realized the damage um, that was done with just pushing people out, like People, yes, people were being treated extremely poorly. The conditions were grave. They were horrendous. That needed to change. But there was no, there was no continuum of care established. Um, and so peers also became the strongest advocates for what they needed as patients and what other patients like them needed. So I, that is also, the advocacy component is a very large component of peer support. Um, and I remember when you guys went from the podcast to Barry Nation, and um, you didn't even call it peer support then, but you were like verbalizing, you know, your frustration and like people need more, patients need more. Um, we're going to create this community. And, you know, the three of you were just passionately describing it. And I was just kind of like, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as you were describing that, Sarah, I was like, hmm, this sounds very familiar. Like this sounds like exactly what the bariatric community is doing. <laughs> yes. So cool. Well, yeah. It's very exciting for me to watch it. So like I, so of course, you know, I'm older, but I'm not, the, I'm not old enough to have seen it happen with mental health. I am fortunate enough to have seen it cross over into the substance use or like addiction realm. Um, so, you know, I worked for the first peer driven, peer led recovery community organization that was established in the state of Oklahoma for people in recovery from so substance use disorders. Um, 
And that really is what ignited my passion for peer support. Um, and so it's really, it's been really, and then we came here to Florida and we didn't have that again. So I've kind of been also very involved the last five years that we've been here creating this again for the state of Florida. Um, and so I'm really excited about Berry Nation. It's kind of like why I say I drank the Kool-Aid in the very beginning because I 100% believe of the power of peers. Like, I think it is absolutely a needed component in treatment. Of course, it does not replace, you know, professional medical treatment, but in so many areas, it has been proven that people are more successful when they have this addition to their, to their recovery plan. So that, that was going to be my next question. Is there research out there that really speaks to the power of this peer support? I mean, are there things out there that are really starting to prove how necessary and needed this component of treatment is? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I know SAMHSA is a great place to look, which is the Substance Abuse Mental Health Services Administration. Um, but really any of the you know, organizations under the health and human services, like there's a component of peer support involved there. Um, but one thing that I find really interesting, um, cause I was just doing kind of a, a quick, wasn't a deep dive, but just a quick search, um, to prepare for this podcast, because I was really wondering, like, has anyone else started expanding peer support into health conditions in general, like not mm -hmm. behavioral health, but just general health, chronic illness. Um, and I did find, you know, a few They're they're actually very recent. I mean, one was from 2021, one was from 2022. Um, you know, I think there was an article that kind of called for the need for peer support. I found back from like 2018. Um, and one of the things that was really striking to me um, is just this glaring gap in care. So like in that article, it was actually in the pharmacy times. Um, but, uh, Dr. Mel, uh, sorry, Dr. Shelby Smoak, um, talked about in her research, she found that physicians only spend an average of 12 to 28 minutes with their patients. Um, and one in one in four spend less than 12 minutes. And that's per year. Um, yeah, because most people, you know, have, have an annual checkup people with chronic conditions. I mean, they see their physician a little bit more frequently. I know like before I had surgery, um, when my doctor was really trying to get my weight under control, we were really trying to prevent me from, um, kind of like crossing that line into like insulin diabetes versus pre-diabetes. I think I saw her every six to eight weeks. So probably, you know, um, around six times a year, but that's still only an hour to an hour and a half of care out of an entire year. That's, <laughs> well, and, right. Well, and now that I'm thinking about it, like I, I was never actually seen by any doctor for my disease of obesity. No, mm -hmm. never. That was not why I was there. It was either blood work came back, insulin was pre-diabetic or sleep apnea or any of these other things that I had, but it was not for obesity. So I wasn't actually ever seen for the disease that I actually had. That's, no. Yeah, that's true. I think mine too, because I also have PCOS. 
So all of my weight loss type conversations have been to manage other chronic health conditions that are, you know, they're, they know there's a, a result from obesity and that losing weight can improve these other chronic health conditions. But uh, you're absolutely right, April. There was never a specific mm-hmm. conversation. I'm going to say there was never a specific conversation about, oh, like treating the obesity because of my health. No. Um, I, I started getting, so I started not even gaining weight because I was small, but, um, I started getting prescribed diet pills when I was about 12 or 13. Oh, um, so I was five, six, I was entering puberty. I weigh, I had crossed over into 150 pounds. Okay. And that was when my doctor started giving, I started taking the phenamine, fenfluramine. So if you're older, there's was this fen fen um, that made people lose all of this weight. Oh, God, um, I remember that. Fen fen. <laughs> oh yeah. Or- um, and they they showed that it did actual like a lot of damage to your heart and and other uh, other things. But yeah, so I I started taking that around the age of thirteen, um, and then when I was and then I I, I lost weight. I was about. Um, uh, you know, when I was oh, first started getting treated for being obese, I was a size nine and I was five, six. So that's why I was like, I was not, I was not big. Um, but you know, I got, I did get down to like a size seven around 135 pounds, um, something like that. And then, um, when they took off one of the medications, when they figured out the fenfluramine, when they figured out it was dangerous, but I was still taking fenamine. Yeah. Um, you know, throughout high school. And then I had to start having regular like echocardiograms and, um, a lot of heart testing done, um, you know, before the age of 18. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was a result of, they were worried about the damage they'd done giving me diet pills as a kid. Um, so it was never a healthy conversation around weight loss or what I could do to lose weight. Well, I feel like obesity is Mm -hmm. never, seen as the reason for the other health issues it's always flipped well if you just lost weight then all of this would get better Mm -hmm. and it's like but but I can't because I have this condition yes and I think just now and even still it's not it's just that conversation is just now starting to happen I mean it's 2022 and just now are people starting to realize, and there are studies being done to show that no, obesity is the the problem that's causing everything else. But Mm -hmm. I mean, for our whole lives, it was the other Mm -hmm. way around. So it makes sense that we have this peer-to-peer support because we have a whole community of people who are like, I've never been able to lose weight and keep it off. I've never been able to do X, Y, Z. And then you have bariatric patients who are being successful and they're like yeah that was me too but like I had this procedure done and it's been five 12 years and mm-hmm. I'm healthy and happy and metabolically well yeah but it well, was it's, like funny, that. It's, it's funny that you mentioned that too because like when I just came back from the cardiologist the other day and they're trying to figure out my blood pressure issues she was like well have you you know 
what about losing some weight? And I was like, um, well, I dropped 191 pounds uh, before I came in here. So is that like, are we still, is there going to be like, I figured that probably would have taken care of some of this. But since the charts and shit still read the same as when I was here, you know, the last time, except for the weight, you know, I kind of figured you guys would have put two and two together and figure out that it's not a, it's not the weight, it's the medication that you guys don't have me on or that you have me too much on. And so that opened up a whole conversation. Then it was a change of tone. Like, oh, my God, that's great that you did that. I was like, yeah, uh-huh, now read the chart. Like, it's <laughs> the thing is, like, if they just want to glance over it in that 10 to 12 minutes that Sarah was talking about, like, sometimes you have to stop them and be like, hey you're not going anywhere. Like sit your ass down, open the chart. Let's go line by line. Let's figure it out. Then she figured out that I was actually on three blood pressure medications that didn't do shit for my blood pressure, but they, they limited my heart rate, which she's like, well, there's three meds I can put you on that do the exact opposite of that. And we may get, you know, start chipping away at this blood pressure situation. And that's exactly what happened. Two days into taking the new meds and my, and, and it's completely reversed. My blood pressure for the first time in shit, I don't know how long, is actually in the normal range. And I'm talking about since like 2007. Because they asked me that in the doctor's office. Like, how long you had high blood pressure? I was like, since 2007. They were like, oh. I was like, yeah, what's up? And they were just like, oh, well, let's look into this. And I'm like, yeah. And in two days, like me and that were talking about before we got on here, as happy as I am for it to be normal, I'm pissed that it took this long to get it normal because it's three medications that I've, I've been going to the doctor weekly since I weighed 450 pounds. And that's been a long ass time. So you've been doing this and we've been playing medication roulette and none of it's worked, but three pills I've never heard of before. They tossed me on them and in two days I'm better. And they were like, well, yeah, we were starting to see thickening of the heart, like the muscles are getting thick from having to pump so much. And I'm like, yeah, that's what happens when I'm constantly riding this fucking stroke level. Like, that's yeah. how that works. So, yeah. it, you know, the advocacy of it really, like, I just decided because they asked me, they're like, we haven't seen you since 2020. What's going on? I said, well, you and my primary care physician were having a fight and you guys would just keep switching me medications. Well, I would see her and fill $75 worth of meds. And then I'd come see you two days later and you would send me for $75 more worth of meds. And I was like, hey, guess what? I don't make your salary, I'm broke. So I can't fill $140 worth of meds in two days. And I filled the $75 from my primary care physician and I can't take them, but I can't take them back and get the money back because they've already been given to me. Yeah. So I'm just sitting on $75 worth of worthless meds. And I told her flat, I was like, and if it happens again, I'm not coming back again. I was like, because I yeah. would just, I'm just going to be stuck because I can't pay the copay to get there and the, all the meds you're going to give me. I just can't yeah. do it. And so not only did she listen to me about that and change my meds, but she found me cheap alternatives. So it was kind of a double advocacy for myself. So I'm not paying high ticket prices for the meds. Yeah. And I'm like, apparently it's just that easy. You just have to freak out a little bit. Well, the... The thing that's been really interesting about this transformation with with you just even in these last couple of days is that as we have become closer as friends and as our like bariatric friend group has kind of become closer, right? You have a lot of people that have been squawking at you to get this shit taken care of. Like, I'm sorry, like, right? Like, and I don't, yeah, Sarah, you know what I'm talking about, right? And thank God our friend group has a couple nurses in it because yeah. to hear them lose their ish on you in yeah. a very kind way. But what was different this time is that everybody kept saying, but Jason, it's not your weight. 
you're, you're having the wrong conversation. You have to go back in, you say X, Y, Z, have, you know, to have those nurses go this panel, this test, this block, you know, like do, 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 do. And in a safe way. Right. But like, everybody was really concerned about you because it was like, no, 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 bro, this is not your weight. And they want to keep saying that it's your weight. You've lost 191 pounds. They're using that as an excuse. And if you didn't have a peer group that was on your ish and it was just your wife, yeah, I hate to say it, it would not. She's been praying for backup. So she's super happy that I think she has it now. So, but I mean, yeah, I mean, they legitimately went through my meds when we were at your house doing the Tacoma event. And they went through them and were like, these are not okay. Like, you shouldn't be on these. Yeah. And I've had other doctors tell me, like, they were like, well, for you to be 40, whatever years old, you know, pick the year that I went to the doctor and they said it. They're like, you, you're on more blood pressure meds than most people I have that are 20 years older than you are that are trying to survive. He's like, so there's no reason you need to be on all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, well, guess what? Take my blood pressure and you'll see why. Cause it shit's still high. Like doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But the power of peer support in this scenario, it allows you to practice advocacy, right? It's allow, it allows you for other people to go, eh. And for you to really kind of work on like, yeah, maybe this isn't right. Maybe they have been just blaming this on my weight, but it's clearly not my weight. I've already done this, right? Like right. if you didn't have that kind of backing, of of peers to go yeah you could still be in this same situation yeah well i mean that's how i feel with um tracking right i've been watching april has been using this tracking app and i'm like nope i don't want it i can't do it we get back from retreat and i'm like okay i I gotta do something and it's the same thing. We have this group on this app and mm-hmm. I can go and I've, I've used it every single day. Today is one week of like literally tracking everything. That's amazing. And like, oh, I don't hate it. Like, I don't, I I've been like, oh, I hate tracking. It freaks me out. Like, you know, playing it off and, you know, April, some others have been like, yeah, but like tracking is not that bad. It's just data. Like it's just whatever. And I'm like, no, it's horrible. It's the worst thing ever. And then I, you know, <laughs> dip my toe in and I'm like, oh, actually I'm still alive. And like, I don't hate myself. <laughs> right. I wouldn't know. Right. Like if I didn't have, you know, April and other folks that are in the same boat as me yeah, to, to get yeah. me to that point. And show me how I can advocate for myself. Same with you, Jason. Like you had all of us to show you how you need to advocate for yourself. Yeah. Well, a lot of people, a lot of people get, get nervous to talk to the doctor. So having the conversations with peers and seeing how other people have approached it also helps you to move forward and say, it's like practice conversations. You get to kind of mock it up and be like, okay, go it. Like I would say this, you should probably say this, do this. Like I went and said this, and this is what happened. So it kind of gets you to the point where you, you know, get ready to go in there and actually say your piece and do what you got to do. And I'm just going to tag in that, uh, that is called role play, which is actually a component of peer support. Wow. (laughs) Who knew that we're doing all the things. Y'all are doing all the things. We just got, yeah, we're just going to have to like start Nate, like, yep, this is it. And check the box and tie it back in like with a bow and stuff. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's amazing. And I think like Natalie, even what you were just saying, like with the tracking and like really having that support and seeing other people track and that really helped you overcome the fear because I know like as bariatric patients, 
and people that have you know struggled with our weight, there has been a time where we've also had to be really careful about being overly restrictive, overly um, critical about what we're putting into our bodies. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and just like, oh, like we, we have probably been on this continuum that it was either one extreme to the other, like really, really restrictive living or like, screw it, I'm going to do what I want because none of this is working anyway. Mm-hmm. And so like finding those people that have found that balance and they're able to live, well, I'm not going to say in this middle, probably in this middle, because we still fluctuate every day. Right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, finding people that, that can live kind of in this middle. And so when you start gravitating towards that, screw it, or I'm dropping all of this stuff, you have those people that can help bring you back. But then they also know what it's like to be there. Like when you get that, like, screw it mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, and so instead of coming at you with the, I always say like when I do my Berry nation group or when I do other stuff, I always say, don't shit on yourself because it's funny. And <laughs> anyway, it helps me remember, but like, well, you should be tracking, you should be eating better. You should be like, because we're doing that in our own heads. Yeah. And so when you're connecting with people on a level that have been there or that are there, they know that that's happening. Mm-hmm. And so they don't do that to us. They don't, you know, they're just there. And like, what do you need? Like I, April will say it all the time. She lets you like, <clears throat> you know, kind of like word vomit, whatever the, the thing is. And then she's like, what do you need? Yeah. She yeah. goes back to the person. And I think really like we all do it at some, you know, at one point, like, what do you need? And so telling people what to do or giving them advice, mm-hmm. we understand that, Yes, I have experience in this and, uh, you know, and some of us may even be experts in whatever the area is, but that other person is the expert on themselves. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, you, so like you and I are going to come together and figure out the best plan for you because the best plan for you is not the best plan for me Mm -hmm. or, you know, anybody else. Yeah. I mean, I had like a panic moment yesterday. I texted April. I was like on my way to go hang out with some friends. And I was like panicking because I was thinking, okay, I've been tracking for six days straight. You know, I'm going out to like a restaurant, like some bars, you know, like how do I track something that I can't just scan a barcode and like have all the information there? And so I texted April. I was like, what do I do? How do I do this? I don't want to screw up. And she was like, just enter in the food and like estimate your portions. And like, I don't know, just like do the best you can. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) I was literally on the train and I was like, oh, okay. I can do that. I I can handle that. (laughs) But yeah, you just brought me down and like said, this is what I do. It's not that as um, what Sam, uh, bariatric chef Boyardee says, it's not that deep. Dude, that was exactly, when you texted me that, I was literally like, I'm going to channel Sam. It is not that deep, Matt. Yeah. If you eat a cheeseburger, type in cheeseburger, cut it in half, track it. Yeah. You don't have to be perfect. That's our old all or nothing mindset. That's like, oh, if you can't do this book, then oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, do I put four ounces? Like, do I have to like deconstruct my burger? No. And, like, track every, like, 
half of a bun. Like I was really, I was kind of spiraling and I was like, who could bring me down? And I was like, this is April's moment to tell me to chill. And she did. And then I had a great night and I tracked as best as I could. And it wasn't that deep mm-hmm. and I survived. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Well, and I think part of you, like you can get hung up on that fear of tracking. And yeah. so like, that's the time when you have you know, somebody else that can come alongside you and kind of like support you through that scary moment. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I know like for me, like we did the tracking challenge in Berry Nation. Was that in March? We did the tracking challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so like, because I was committed to that, I tracked everything during that month and we had gone out and I had sake and, you know, I'm like, Oh, rice wine. Yeah. No big deal. But then I got home and I was like, crap, I have to put those in my tracker because I'm tracking this month. And Mm -hmm. I promise you, anytime I'd had something like out um, or that was a drink, I, I probably didn't ever track it because that like really blew my mind. Like when I put them in there, I'm like, that was 300 calories. Oh yeah. Like I would have had no, I mean, you know, I don't do it all the time. It wasn't a big deal, but like I had never gathered the data before. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. I did that the other day with mayo and I was like, <gasps> mayonnaise is ridiculously calorie dense. And I never knew because to me, mayonnaise in my family is like salt and pepper. Yes. You put it in everything. Everything. Yeah. Yes. And I've been tracking mayonnaise and I, same thing. I'm like, good Lord. Oh, I literally, yeah, when I was the mayo. No. I went to Target. I went to Target the other day and I got two different kinds of mayos to try because I was like, I'm not giving this up, but I cannot afford 180 calories. Like that little mm, tablespoons. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, mm. Well, and uh, what I am very proud of about what we have created with Berry Nation is what you, what we've all just said for too long, we have not considered ourselves experts in our own experience. And for too long, I did not trust myself. And I've really come to realize that this journey is about learning when I have to trust myself and when I cannot trust myself. And that's a very fine line. And the amazing thing about the peer support and the support, just the support in general that we have created in Berry Nation and continue to create is that we're not telling you what you need and when. We're saying here are all of the different types of supports that we know we need along the way as patients but you self-select what you need. Is it emotional eating? Hit up that support group. Is it peer-to-peer support that you need? Go hit up that support group. Is it emotional eating? Go take that class. It's a menu and you choose from it as the patient because only you truly know what you need in the moment. We're not here to tell you do X, follow this exact plan because that's what got me into trouble before surgery and even a little bit after. Mm-hmm. So I need a menu that I choose from and I take what I need. And that helps me learn to trust myself more and more. Yeah. Well, and one of the I, things I you were talking so- about before, uh, you know, when we started the whole thing was the difference between what we're doing and like a Weight Watchers type of deal where, you know, if you go to the Weight Watchers meeting, it's whatever support they have that day. That's, you know, there's no menu. It's just that. And if you're struggling with that, awesome. If you're not, sorry about you, you just sit around and listen to those that are, and you just go that way. So that's, you know, that's a, a little bit of a backstory as to why we set it up the way we did, because we know yeah. that you're going to be struggling. People are going to struggle with different things at different times. So, yep. You know, and, and the nice thing too, you know, like 
Weight Watchers, you know, you're, you're learning something, right? Even if you're there and it doesn't resonate with you, it's going in the back of your brain, but it can be a source of frustration. And the nice thing about being able to select exactly what you need in the moment is that if it's on your brain, you're motivated to learn and retain and utilize that information. So we mm -hmm. wanted to make sure that it was always there, which is why we record almost everything, right? Not everything gets into the, the, the library because people share some really personal things. So we could record something and then go, oh, no, 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 that's never going to see the light of day because somebody shared something very personal. But in those classes, we really make an effort to make sure that we're recording that so that it's on demand for you. So even if there isn't something live that hour, you can go to the library and that information is there for you. Yeah. And I think that's an amazing addition or amazing component, you know, and I think, you know, when I was looking, there's basically like evidence out there that is calling for consideration for peer support to be expanded into healthcare, the healthcare conditions. And so I think that's, you know, amazing with what Barry Nation's doing, because that's what Barry Nation's doing. And I think the other thing is, you know, without realizing it, you guys have kind of created what are considered like key features or key components with successful peer support programs. And so that's like assistance with daily management, like Barry Nation is there every day, there's tips that are accessible every day, you know, social and emotional support. So you have the support groups in Barry Nation, you do the VBMs every month, you know, and then linkages to clinical care and community resources, like that's there in, you know, in Barry Nation and the community. And then, you know, the fourth one, which is so simple, and it's kind of like blows my mind that people actually had to put this on paper, but it was literally just ongoing support over an extended period of time. Right. Well, again, all four of us have been successful because we have utilized the support of each other over our entire journey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I credit you guys because I know people will say, and I, you know, it was not, my journey has not been easy. Like I've had times where I was not just in the best mental space. I have, I mean, you guys know how much I've struggled with creating balance in my life. Um, how much I continually struggle. I'm just now coming out of a really hard uh, few months because it was grant season. We had a lot of, you know, Barry Nation events, retreat, all that. I was trying to do everything. I wanted to do it. I want to do everything. I want to, you know, and, and that's just something that's really hard for me, but I credit you guys and I credit Barry Nation a lot with the reason that my journey has been easier. You know, it, it was not easy by any means. But I also, um, and I think I just do this to challenge that easy way out stigma thing. Mm -hmm. Because, uh, you know, on some level, like if I if you look back at all of the dieting and all of the crap that you did that didn't work, then yeah, weight loss surgery was 100% the easy way out for me, because I was miserable. I was miserable. I was in pain. I took medications that damaged my body. Um, oh. You know, I have like, I have to have echoes. I have to have all these scans done every year because, and really I would like, there was a period in my life before I had bariatric surgery that I was just waiting for the when, like these would become official diagnosis, not the, if this happens, mm -hmm. um, but I was really waiting for the when. Um, and, you know, because I have a lot of other chronic 
health conditions um, that my bariatric surgery has helped resolve or help put into remission. Um, and, you know, so part of doing that is finding people that are willing to create that advocacy and face that stigma head on and help you change the narrative. Like that's a huge component of peer support because we own our journeys. Um, and so instead of defending why we, why we did what we did, that, that we don't have to do that. We don't have, we qualify. We're here. It's fine. <laughs> right. Well, that, oh, it's, that is. it's interesting that you bring up the, like all of the things that we did in the past that did not work. Like, yes, technically on that basis, weight loss surgery is the easy way out, but it's the after that it becomes hard again, right? Like getting on the table, we say this all the time, getting on the table was the easy part, but it's after when the difficulties skyrocket. And I've been on both sides at this point where I did not have support and where I have support. And I am, I know what could happen if I don't stick with my peer support. Yeah. Because I lose it. Yeah. I think it is so, it is really the most critical component to people's long-term success. And I'm going to say that in any condition, not just with weight loss surgery, like, you know, there is data out there um, about like peer support in other areas that is longstanding. Mm -hmm. Um, there, there are new calls for this to be incorporated into physical health conditions or chronic illnesses. Um, but I, you know, like there, it's there, it's there. People know it works. Um, really right now is what they're, even the research that's out there that says things are inconclusive. Um, since I've asked people to do research, I'm going to go ahead and explain this. (laughs) That says it's inconclusive. They're not saying it's inconclusive as to whether or not there is a benefit from peer support. What they're saying is inconclusive is there is not a way to measure clinical significance. And there is not a um, across the board definition of what peer support is. So that way it's very hard to study things that cannot be done in the same way repetitively and then duplicate. Mm -hmm. So yeah, well, it's new and it's personalized. So when you realize that people need individualized care that is customized to them, that they can customize for themselves, it's very hard to measure what that, you know, magic recipe was that made them successful because it's different for everybody. So it's very hard to take, apply a scientific method to like this type of thing, you know? And and so really we're going to have to re-examine the way that mental health, behavioral health support services are measured because really they're trying to basically take what you do as, as a peer supporter, providing peer support and measure it the same way they would measure an operation. Yes. 
Well, and really for me, and I know that we've talked to other people in this community, you know, surgeons, clinicians, and even people who are doing research in this exact same area. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I'm very hopeful for, for our greater bariatric community is that we can look at people who underwent surgery and compare their success rates, long-term success rates to those who had peer support versus had not had peer support. Cause we all know the rates are terrible leading up to this point. And the only thing that's changing is that, right? Like surgeons are much more, more of them skilled robotics, right? They're making tons of advancements in the actual surgical procedures, right? But the only other area that's really growing at the moment is peer-to-peer support, is that aftercare support. So if we see rates of regain decrease and have longer rates of long-term success. Yep. Right. And and we're talking about people's lives here. That's the other thing that's like, eh, it's so hard for me. And and I get why the data needs to be there. But if you have people like us going, no, 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 especially you, Nat, I had two bariatric surgeries before that were not successful. And now I've had this one. And yes, I had a different procedure, but the biggest component is this support that I'm receiving or creating. Right. Because I can go, oh, I feel kind of weird about let's say heartburn, right? Like I don't really deal with heartburn that much, but I can say like, Oh, I kind of feel like I'm having it a lot lately. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going on. And I'll say that like maybe on my stories or I'll talk about it with a friend and they'll say, Oh yeah, I had, I had like a bout of heartburn. It lasted probably like a week or so. My doctor said that I should go on a mesoprol for three days and then it'll help me. Or my doctor said I should reduce these types of foods, you know, it's like, okay, so now I have this endless resource, which is my peers to go to. And Mm -hmm. instead of me kind of like, oh, I'm sure it's nothing and maybe ignoring it because that's what I did before um, because I was not educated. I didn't know. Right. But that's the joy of the peer thing is being like, oh, I'm feeling this way. Yeah. Oh, it could be this. Why don't you ask your doctor like Jason, right? Like all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we all have, we can share our experiences (laughs) and what helped us. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Like we're not sharing it from a perspective that, you know, I don't know, don't take a Meprazole. You have to take Prilosec. It's only Prilosec that helps. Like we're not sharing it from that perspective, but we're sharing it from a perspective of, you know, like maybe, you know, like you you don't want to take a prescription. Well, you Mm -hmm. know, I used to have really bad GERD. I, you know, started incorporating aloe into my water. I added aloe to my water that helped. It helped heal, you know, things like that. This is a nat, like I had a natural option. And then you follow it up with go talk to your doctor and see if that might be an option for you because Mm -hmm we don't know people's medical conditions. So like, you know, one person's acid reflux or GERD might be more severe than someone else's, Mm -hmm. Um, uh, you know? And so we can't say this is what you need to do, but you could say, here's another, this is what I did because I felt that same way. And so I talked to my doctor and they okayed this alternative. No, you have to go to Facebook to get people to tell you what to do. They're the ones that (laughs) know everything. That's that's where that lives. But it normalizes the conversation. And I think that's first and probably the most important to me um, is just like medical things. I think for a lot of us pre-op 
were scary because they were never good news. It was never mm-hmm. good. When you went to the doctor, it was never good news. Okay. So I did everything in my power to avoid going to the doctor. Mm-hmm. And now when I'm, I'm, we have that group chat, I can go to that group chat and say, Ham, hey, I'm, I'm feeling this way. Or I can go to like certain nurses and doctors in our group chat and say, Hey, I don't feel well this way. And they could normalize that conversation or even just going to April, Jason, Sarah, I can just say like, Hey, I'm feeling ABC. I feel off. And they can say, Hey, it might be this. Just go talk to your doctor. It's like WebMD, but it it won't make you spiral when it talks back. (laughs) Because it's kind and it comes from peers. Like it's a gentle, comforting way to say, Hey, it could be this. Maybe you should go talk to your doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the very nice thing I think about many people, a vast majority of people in our greater bariatric community, and I know within Berry Nation, right, is it you've got this equal combination of expert support and peer support. And never have I heard somebody say like it, it we all understand that very fine line that we're walking, right? And we just want to share our recipe. So we always start off with, this is what I've experienced in my personal journey. This is what I've experienced along, right? In my bariatric story. And yours is going to be different. Like full Mm -hmm. caveat, it's going to be different. But the fact that, like you said, we have this place to normalize the conversation and that we're always saying like, here's what I've done. Consult your expert, right? Or Here's what the experts have said. Here's what three separate experts have said. Here's what our peers have said. Here's your menu that you can choose from. Mm-hmm. It's a very, it is, it's, it's a very different conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the keys, it, Natalie just said it um, quickly, is that it's also kind. It's delivered in a kind way, yeah. Yeah. Um, which makes people automatically so much more receptive. And I think you all are very intentional um, about creating that kindness and that compassion because you know what it's like to not have it. And that's why an organization created by peers is, is cannot be duplicated by people that do not have the lived experience. Like, like that is the power in things being peer-driven, peer-led, that those voices be included and be valued at the table, not just invited to the table, but actually valued um, and heard. So, mm-hmm. because it is different. It's completely different. Mm-hmm. And I just know I'm very thankful to to not only be in a place to have such amazing peer support, but to help create it as well. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a very fulfilling place for me, I think as an individual. And I think Jason and that you guys feel the same. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's getting to talk to people that we've actually connected with and made a difference for that just let us know very early on that we were doing the right thing because a, we knew as patient as experts in our patient story, we knew that what we needed and it wasn't there because we had looked for it high and low and as had many other people. And they just, you know, taking it upon ourselves to go ahead and create what was needed and using not only ourselves, but 
you know, other patients and experts in the community itself is what's made it, you know, what it is today. And it's just going to keep getting better. Yep, absolutely. Well, my friends, as always, this conversation has been enlightening every time. Like, and this is like what we do every time. I just, (laughs) I have these moments. Sarah, if people would like to connect with you, where can they find you online? So I am at Barry.Grateful on Instagram. Um, and, or, well, and I, I also run uh, Barry Nation's Very Grateful page. So if you are interested in sharing your bariatric journey with someone, um, you can send us, uh, send me a message on Very Grateful No Dot um, and just send me your story and a photo that you would like for me to include. And I can, I can post you and highlight your story there. Um, that, you know, that page was created really around this concept of that mm-hmm. a lot of times we're searching for that person that looks like us, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, to, we really, okay. Like we felt like the doctor said, yeah, I should probably do it. I found some people that have had surgery. Now I got to find somebody that looks like me, mm-hmm. um, or, and that also, you know, has my combination of whatever's going. So it's not, we want to share as many people's stories as are willing to send them. So please, please send them all. Yep. Um, I do have one more thing. So I, um, I came across this actually, um, on LinkedIn the other day and I saved it for this because it is also for Natalie. So it's an expert from Winnie the Pooh by AA mine. Yeah. Um, but it also just is like just a powerful representation of what peers do and how it, and, and what it is. Cause I, I know for some people it's hard to wrap their head around. So it says, um, today was a difficult day, said Pooh. Then there was a pause. Do you want to talk about it? Asked Piglet. No, said Pooh after a bit. No, I don't think I do. Well, that's okay, said Piglet. And he came and sat beside his friend. What are you doing? Asked Pooh. Nothing really, said Piglet. Only I know what difficult days are like. I quite often don't feel like talking about it on my difficult days either. But goodness, continued Piglet, difficult days are so much easier when you know you've got someone there for you. And and I'll always be here for you, Pooh. And as Pooh sat there working through in his head his difficult day, While the solid, reliable piglet sat next to him quietly, swinging his little legs, he thought that his best friend had never been more right. Oh, wow. What a great way to just wrap up this episode (laughs) in a little bow. That's great. That's pretty pretty special, right? Because peer-to-peer support can just be somebody by your side. Mm-hmm. You don't have Absolutely. to say anything, right? You don't have to offer any advice. You don't have to offer any solutions. You can just say, I'll just sit next to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes your presence can be the thousand words that you don't want to talk about. It's just having somebody there. It's that connection. Mm-hmm. I think that's why, I mean, we keep talking about it, but things like retreat, these bariatric events, it's like, Yes, the reason we're there is bariatric surgery, but those moments where we're just sitting and existing at the pool, we're sitting and existing on a plane together, like 
just being in the presence of your people is really powerful. Yeah. Because you don't have to say anything. Mm -hmm. We all get it. Yeah. We all get it. Wow. Well, thank you, friends, for being a part of my peer support group. I would not be able to do it without you. And I know all four of us feel the exact same way. Yes. <laughs> Sarah, thank you for joining us. Thank you for offering your, your expert um, insights into peer-to-peer support and sharing your own very personal experiences with it. We, we need both to, yeah. I think, feel comfortable to join a peer group ourselves. So thank you for giving us those tools and those little nuggets of wisdom that will maybe help us make the leap into, into peer support. Absolutely. Thank you all for having me. Of course. Jason, my friend, you want to take us out? Yes, ma'am. Just want to thank everybody for the support. Like we've been talking about this whole episode, you guys supporting us helps us support each other and you back. So the, the cycle continues and we can't thank you enough. Don't forget that you guys can also continue to leave us ratings, reviews on your favorite podcast player, as well as our YouTube channel. And you can still leave us voice messages on Anchor, which we can incorporate into future episodes because we love hearing from you guys because that just helps spice up the episode. So we appreciate that. So keep doing that and we'll keep adding them in. And just remember at the end of the day, you've got this, we've got you and we'll see you next time. Awesome. Bye guys. Bye-bye.